We're beginning a brand new series this weekend called Jehovah. 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 This week we're talking about Jehovah Jireh. Pastor Rob's going to be back next week and the week after. Talking about the names of God. We're talking right now Jehovah Jireh. God, our provider. In just a second we're going to Genesis chapter 22. It's a story, incredible story about Abraham and Isaac. And a testing of his faith that God would provide. It's amazing. Before we go there, there's so many names of God. In fact, he calls himself, I am that I am. Which basically means, whatever your need is, he is. He is what you need. He has what you need. He is what you need. I am that I am. Hebrew copies of the Bible use the consonants of Yahweh and insert the vowels of Adonai, which results in the word Yehovah, or translated Jehovah, my Lord and my God. Jehovah, my Lord. Going to Genesis 22, Abraham's been on this wild journey with God. Genesis 12, Abram, who became Abraham, God said, go to a land that I will show you. Live in faith. Genesis 15, Abraham, Abram was childless, but he was told that he would have more descendants than the stars in the sky. Genesis 16, Abram takes matters into his own hands with Hagar, having Ishmael. Genesis 17, God changed Abram's name to Abraham and reminded him that he would be a father of many nations. Genesis 21, Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Abraham was 100 years old. Genesis 22, where we're going, happened about 2045 B.C. His faith was tested again. Starting at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. I love it. Immediate obedience. Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering. What's the offering? His son Isaac. And arose and went to the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over and worship and we will come back again to you. We're both coming back. There's faith. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they both went together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, here I, here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? It's an awkward moment. Abraham said, God will provide. God will, Jireh. Jireh translated, provider. 
God sees, God cares, God intervenes. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together, when they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son Isaac. Think about that. Bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand. He took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Angel of the Lord. People believe this is a theophany, that it was Jesus himself appearing in that moment. Because you've not withheld your son from me. It's not just an angel talking. I love that Jesus showed up before he showed up. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, provision, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The title of this message is Jireh. Jaira. Let's pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for what's happened in this service already here at Apple Valley. We thank you that right now we have the privilege to stream this message all around the world in places where it's illegal to be a Christian. Lord, over these next few moments, I pray that you would be the provider over each and every need, over each and every household, each and every family. You would provide. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. We just sang Jaira. It's a good song. I, uh, I knew we were preaching. I, I knew that this is what we were talking about. And I was, I, I, I had put a song request in, a little different song. You know, I grew up in the church. And it's a, di- it's a different Jehovah Jireh. You guys know it? Jehovah Jireh, my provider is strength is sufficient for me. You guys got to stop clapping. You ruined it. It was good until you started clapping. Hey, we sang that song a long time ago in church growing up. People have been singing it for centuries. People have been singing that and saying that, stating that for thousands of years. 2000 B.C., Abraham declares God is our provider. I love just the next few moments to define what does gyra mean. Love to offer up three definitions of gyra, provider being one of them. Gyra, and then I love to ask two questions. Two questions, and then we're out of here. Everybody with me? I'm calm now, but not for long. First one. Definition of gyra. My God perceives. He sees. He hears. He knows. Jehovah Jireh, my God perceives. He sees, hears, and knows. 
God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. God saw it. He saw the value that Isaac had in Abraham's life. Waited a hundred years for the promise of God that he could have this son. That nations would come from this son. He loved Isaac and God saw that. God sees what you love. What you value. What takes a high place in your heart. He sees it. He knows it. He knows the desires. He knows the dreams. He knows the plans. He knows everything that's in your heart. Where you are right now may not be where you want to be. But he sees, he sees, and he knows, and he hears your prayers. He hears your cries. And he's going to help you get and accomplish all that he's created you to get to and to accomplish. He's going to do it. Psalm 34, 15. The Lord sees all we do. He watches over his friends. You're a friend in the family of God. Day and night, his godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. He knows the sand, knows the number of hairs, knows the stars in the sky, looks after the birds. If he's looking after those birds, knows every flower, we just said it. How much more? How much more? How much more? And, man, it's easy to talk about this when you feel like, man, this, my life is great right now. Things are just, this is smooth. This is like life is easy. This is awesome. Praise God. But it's hard to talk about it when you are in desperate need. You need to be reminded how much more, how much more, how much more. The birds and the flowers, the sand and the stars were not created in the image of God, but you were. How much more? Second definition. My God provides. Jehovah Jireh. My God, not, he not only sees and perceives and knows and hears, but he provides. My God provides. Roman 8, Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things he's going to provide? Think about Psalm 23 through the lens of the provider. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of you need to rest. Some of you need to get more sleep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Jehovah Jireh, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You feed me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, not just the good days. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, Jehovah Jireh, he is your provider. What is he providing? He's providing his presence. 
presence. He's providing his joy, his strength, his grace to get through, his perspective, physical needs met, healed, financial needs provided for, mental and emotional needs provided for, guidance, protection, wisdom, boldness. Jehovah Jireh, God, your provider. What do you need? God is your provider. Number three, definition. Jehovah Jireh. Not so much a definition, but a location. Because in the story of Abraham and Isaac, after God provides the ram caught in the bushes, the sacrifice, to then symbolically resurrect his son, Isaac, he names that place on Mount Moriah, Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He names it. He names it. Where has God provided for you in the past? What has he done for you? How has he provided? You need to name those things. And you need to remember those things. Because those things, those, those situations and those issues and the pain that you experience in this life, it's going to happen again. We're on our way to heaven where there's no more tears, there's no more hurting, there's no more sickness, there's no more pain. But from here until there, there are challenges. We live in a fallen world. There are challenges. Things happen and, and you will face need again. But you need to name where he's provided before so that you can have something to stand on. It circles back. It circles back. How do I know that? On that same spot on that mountain is where Solomon resurrected the temple in Jerusalem. The same spot that Abraham's getting ready to sacrifice his son would be the place where Solomon would build the temple hundreds and hundreds of years later where animals would be sacrificed, where the Holy of Holies was, where the presence of God actually was. It circles back. You need to name where God has provided for you before. How has he shown up in your life? How has he given to you? How has he met your need? Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, running into your lap. What has he done? You need to name it, write it down, tattoo it on your arm. Somebody got offended right there. You need to remember where God has provided because it's going to circle back. The location of Jehovah Jireh. Baker Encyclopedia says this, God tests people to uncover their true character. Mount Moriah is usually identified with the mountain in Jerusalem where the temple is, was erected. Thus, Abraham's sacrifice of the ram foreshadowed a subsequent animal sacrifices in the temple as well as the supreme lamb of God, Jesus Christ. As Abraham subsequently discovered, Moriah means the Lord will provide. The name of the palace where his son, the place where his son was to die would prove to be the place of God's provision. Go back to the place of Jehovah Jireh in the middle of your need. Don't just remember that God sees you. Don't just remember that God provides. Remember where he's done it before. Two questions, and then we're out of here. Why would God test you? Why would he test your faith in his provision? Isn't God all loving? Like, isn't, like, why would he, is he provoking us? Is he tempting us? 
No. But I'd love to give some reasons real quick why God would test us and our faith in his provision. One, to expand your capacity. Mark Batterson was with our church. We had a church conference this last week, and he said, your most stressful day 10 years ago would seem like a day off today. Why would God test you? He's expanding your capacity. 10 years ago, Kaylee and I didn't have kids. We had stressful days 10 years ago, but now we got four kids. It's a different stress. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed. You're being transformed. He's expanding your capacity into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Number two, why would God test you? For you to remain dependent on him. Abraham can't raise the dead on his own. And he knows it. So he's dependent. He's dependent on God. That as he kills his son Isaac, he believes God can resurrect him because he remembers the promise. How do we know that? It's in Hebrews, in the New Testament. Chapter 11, faith operated powerfully in Abraham for when he was put to the test, he offered up Isaac. Even though he received God's promises of descendants, he was willing to offer up his only son. For God had promised, through your son Isaac, your lineage will carry on your name. Abraham's faith made it logical to him, this is the Bible, that God could raise Isaac from the dead. And symbolically, that's exactly what happened. God wants you dependent on him. Why would he test you? Number three, so no thing has you. God wants you. When John Bevere was here, he preached on the weekend. He said this, God is, he's all good with you having things. But he's not good with things having you. You can consume things as long as those things don't start consuming you. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. For we brought nothing into the world and we, take, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. God's good with you having things. This isn't poverty mentality. But he doesn't want those things to have you. Why would he test you? So that nothing has you but him. There's people hearing this right now. The TV shows you watch, they have you. Your social media has you. The drinks ending each night has you. Your investments, it has you. Maybe the younger generation, your cryptocurrency has you. Your retirement account has you. The business that you're building, it has you. Your insecurity, let's call it keeping up with the Joneses, has you. In the case of Abraham and Isaac, 
Here's the question. Do your kids have you? It's a whole other message. God's okay with you having things, but let's not have those things have you. He wants you. He wants you. It's okay that it's a little quiet. It's usually quiet during surgery. Why would God test you? Number four, for you to gain victory through submission. God wants you to have victory. He doesn't test you so that you can fail. He wants you to have victory through submission. James 4, 7, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit, submit, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil by submitting, and he will flee from you. In times of testing, don't take your life back. Give it more and again. When you feel tested at the end of your rope, what am I to do? How am I going to make it? God help me. There's this nature within us to say, I'm taking my life back. I'm getting myself back in control. Where are you, God? What are you doing? You're nowhere to be found in the middle of this testing. Instead of taking your life back, give it again and more so. Give your life wholeheartedly because through submission, there's spiritual breakthrough. The darkness has to flee. The devil has to flee. When you are being tested, when you have been pressed, pressed from all sides, surrounded from all sides, you need to submit to God again. God, I've got nothing left, but I give you all that I have, every ounce of my being from the inside out. You've got my past. You've got my present. You've got my future. I'm not putting myself in the driver's seat again. I'm submitting to you and watch the darkness flee. Begin to worship again. Like Job, the Lord's given and he's taken away. But I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship. Why would God test you, number five, so that he can do a miracle? God wants to do a miracle in your life. said there's two questions and here's where we're wrapping up why would God test you the second question is is he enough but is he is he enough If God never did another thing for you, is he enough? If he never answered one more prayer, is he enough? If the rest of your life was a nightmare, is he enough?
Dying on the cross in your place is enough. Forgiving you of your sin is enough. Salvation is enough. Eternity in heaven is enough. He's enough. He's enough. He's enough. Here's the cool thing about God. He's not going to quit answering your prayers. The rest of your life is not going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a thrill. It's going to be an adventure. It's going to be amazing. There are tough days, but there are great days. Let him be enough for you. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Bow your heads, close your eyes. As God provided a substitute to die in the place of Isaac, on that same ground nearby, God provided a substitute to die in your place, Jesus Christ. His only son. Just like Isaac was symbolically raised from the dead, Jesus was literally raised from the dead. There are people here and online, you've never given your life to Jesus. You need to give your life to him, our provider. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We separated ourselves from God, but he provided a way back through his son, Jesus. He's not going to be enough for you if you don't put him in the seat of Lord of your life. You need the forgiveness of sin. You need eternity in heaven promised to you. You need the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You need his gifts to empower you to do all that he created you to do. You need this. He is enough. But he will not be if you don't put him in the seat of Lord of your life. 